Amen. Come on, give him one more praise in this house. If you just remain standing, our kids can be dismissed at Children's Church at this time. And if you just turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 is where we're going to go this morning. Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. Going to read verses 1 through 6. What a wonderful, wonderful day uh, already here in the house of the Lord. Thankful for all of God's blessings. Thankful for all that God is doing here. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. As you're turning there, I want to encourage you to, to come back next week as you're finding that. Uh, the Lord has just already put something, something I've never really preached anything like before for next week and uh, is God's team to build God's house. God has just been doing some stuff. Really, I mean, God's had his hand on this place for a hundred years and, and I felt it since we've, even before we came here, since we've been here, but really in the last month or so, I have just really been feeling God doing some things, putting some things in place, bringing some different people in. And I'm telling you that I, I feel God has got some awesome things. Our better days are ahead of us. And so make sure that you come back next week. But we're still here this week, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. If you got it, say amen. Reading from the NIV this morning, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, love at Easter time. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for everything that has gone on. Thank you for the praise, the worship, the giving, so much that has happened already. And now, Lord, we come to this place in the service, Lord, where we pull ourselves up to your table to break the bread of life together. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought and speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do. And, Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, whether they're watching on social media, listening by podcast, or right here in this building today. I pray that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit. Lord, let your word do the work. For you said it will not return void but it will accomplish that which has been set forth to do. So we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. The events of Good Friday clearly demonstrated the love of God 
and that of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're familiar, maybe you're not. In case you aren't, I want to tell you, in case you are, I just want to refresh your memory. As we've been through this Holy Week, this Passion Week, we're reminded that last Sunday as we celebrated Palm Sunday, Jesus had come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. They were waving palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Throughout the week, Jesus would teach and preach, continue to give instructions to those that would listen to him until Thursday night. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible tells us that Jesus had went into the garden, and he went and he asked them to pray. And the Bible then tells us that he took him and those three disciples that were closer to him, Peter, James, and John, and said, let's go a little further, and told them to stay. And then Jesus went off a little further and prayed. I'm not going to give you the entire story there, but we know that in that point, the Bible tells us that Jesus was praying, and as he prayed, he began to sweat blood. And people way smarter than me that have studied this over the years that there is a condition when there is such great stress and such great agony that people will literally, their sweat glands will burst and they will literally sweat blood from the pressure that was there. Jesus knew what was about to happen. That night then the soldiers came led by one of those 12 disciples named Judas who would betray Jesus, who had sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. They arrive at the garden. They arrest Jesus. They take him into custody, and there the pain begins. They begin even on the way to strike him and hit him and mock him. We find that he goes into a mock trial and they all take turns, begin to slap him and hit him until finally they know that they want more than just a beating. They want to kill this man named Jesus. And so because they were under the rule of the Roman Empire, they, the, the Israelites, they could do whatever they wanted to up to the point of death, but it took the permission of Rome to be able to execute someone so they took him to Pontius Pilate and put him on trial before him. Pilate himself, he took him and he said, this man has really done nothing wrong, but I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to try to appease y'all a little bit. And so they took him and they beat him. They beat him with a cat of nine tails. It was a whip that had pieces of bone and glass. It wasn't just a whip, just a leather whip is bad enough, but this had balls of rock and, and glass shards. And, and as, a, as a soldier would strike, the back of the person. He wouldn't just easily pull it up, but no, he would drag it, and those, those pieces of glass and rock would then yank pieces of skin off of the back of the individual that was suffering. Thirty-nine times he took these strikes because 40 was known to kill a person. He takes him back, and Pilate says, all right, we beat him. Is that not enough? But yet the crowd begins to chant, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then Pilate, the governor appointed of Rome, then goes and calls for a basin of water, washes his hands and said, his blood is on you. 
And so they take him, they press a crown of thorns onto his head. They press it so that the thorns begin to dig into the flesh. Can you imagine as those thorns, they shoot through the flesh and can't get through the bone and begin to poke down into the flesh of his head in his scalp. They continue to his beard. They would pluck his beard and spit on him and throw dirt on him and mock him. And now Jesus is forced to carry his cross. He carries it all the way up the Via Della Rosa to some point where his physical strength has left him. I remind you that as we talk about at Christmas time, he was 100% man yet 100% God. And the physical frailty, human part of Jesus had come to pure exhaustion. And as we study this, we find that there was at least a portion of time where a man named Simon was called out of the crowd. And for a time, they would carry the cross in tandem together. Until finally Jesus became so exhausted he couldn't carry any of it any longer. And Simon then takes the cross on his back and they make it all the way up that hill called Golgotha. And there the soldiers nail Jesus to that cross. They plop it down in the hole as he's nailed but from his hands and his feet and it falls into that hole and Jesus feels the pain not only of the crucifixion itself but the beating that he has taken his back up against the splintered cross now. He hangs suspended between heaven and earth. He hangs there suffering as the crowd continues to mock him and ridicule him. When we study, we find three different groups that would mock him. We find the religious leaders were mocking him. We find the second group was mocking him. Was then the Roman soldiers, they would mock him. And then we find thirdly that one of the two thieves that was hanging on his right and left, then they begin to mock him. What a day it was until finally through, of course, I can't describe to you the entire events and every single detail, every single detail, but Jesus Christ himself looks up at the Father. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here is this man beaten beyond recognition, tortured more than any human being should ever be tortured, and yet he still looks up and says, Father, forgive them. Until that moment of time, when Jesus knows that the end is there and he is carrying on his self the sins of all humanity, my sins, your sins, the sins of all men and women that will accept the forgiveness that he has provided. And we find at that moment because God the Father is holy and he cannot look upon it that God the Father turns away and Jesus himself cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Until finally he comes to the conclusion. And then finally he prays, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gives up the ghost. I remind you today that no one took his life. Jesus would say before all of that, he wanted to let them know, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus so willingly, he willingly laid his life knowing every gory, painful detail of what he would go through. He willingly allowed himself to be crucified on that cross. 
Jesus gives up the ghost. The skies grow dark. The earth begins to shake inside the city walls, inside the temple. The veil that was so thick was rent from top to bottom, letting us know that now it's not just one man, the high priest, one time a year that can come into the presence of God, but everyone that would come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ now had access into God's presence. The Sabbath was coming, and there was a time where no dead bodies should be hanging on a cross. And so a man named Joseph of Arimathea approaches Pilate and begs for the body. Pilate then gives permission for Joseph of Arimathea to take the body. And because time is so short and time is so limited, he doesn't have a lot of time for all of the proper procedures for burial. But he cleans the body and anoints the body as much as he can and wraps the body. And they take him to Joseph's own tomb and they lay him there. And because of all of the fear of revolt and the fear of trickery, then we find that that Pilate then sends soldiers as they roll that stone above the in front of the tomb, and he puts a seal on that tomb and stations soldiers outside of that tomb so his disciples can't get in and, and rob the grave and pretend like he had risen from the grave. Because many remembered what he had said, that you can tear this temple down, but in three days <laughs> I will raise it back again. So the soldiers are there, they're stationed, Friday ends, Saturday is a day of silence, a day of quietness, such a day where for some it seems like all hope has been lost. And then finally on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, in the cleared atmosphere of Easter, we begin to see something. After Christ has done so much for us, I believe many times, and I certainly do get up and I preach about what Christ has done for us and what He's given us, but I also believe that on that Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday morning, after viewing all that Jesus Christ did for us, now it becomes clear that there is an obligation for us to respond to Him. We find the women who came to the tomb can teach us a number of lessons about such love. Four of them I want to give you. Number one, we find the lesson that true love leads to action. I believe it was love that led these women to seek Jesus that morning. You see, some of them were the very last ones at the cross and the very first at the grave. Now, we got a lot of crazy stuff going on in our world today. We've gotten so mixed up about. We've got, we've got all of this mess. Of, we, nobody knows what they are. What they, I believe God made us males and females. And all of us, we got our strengths and our weaknesses. And the sad thing is that it was the men that were some of the first to abandon him on the cross. It was the women that were some of the last ones there. And the women that were the first ones at the tomb that day. So many testify of how and when. Growing up in church, they were the first ones there when the door was open. And they were the first ones to get there and they were the last ones to leave. But nowadays we look at church and now we're just kind of lucky to get a half-hearted show up from some sometimes. Oh, I know it's Easter, but I'm going to go ahead and step on some toes this morning. If that's all right with y'all or even if it's not, I'm going to. 
we find these women that had stayed there to the end, that had stayed there until they took him down off that cross, and they were the first ones there on Sunday morning. I pray to God that God would restore, and I believe he's doing it here. I believe he's restoring a love for people and to be in the presence of God, to be in the people of God, to be in the church of God. I'm praying that God would give us again a desire to not just drag ourselves into the house of the Lord, not just drag ourselves to things that have to do with the Lord, but that God would once again, like these women, put a love within us for him so that you can't hardly stop, that when we show up, there's people waiting outside the door of the church ready to get in so that they can praise the Lord right here in our own beloved town people will line up with their lawn chairs two hours early to get a good spot on the berm but we drag in to God's house I knew it'd get quiet that's all right Love led these women to bring the expensive gift of sweet spices. You see, they had made a sacrifice. This was costly. This was not just their time, but this is their resources. But as I said already, they, they didn't have time because the Sabbath was coming and a dead body could not stay hanging up on a cross. And they had to just kind of as quickly as they could anoint him and clean him up. But he was not yet anointed with all of the things that he should have been. And so they had all of these expensive things to anoint the body of Jesus with. And this shows how true love willingly makes heavy sacrifices. But doing such things for Jesus today seems like such a strain. I hear stories of days gone by. And listen, I know that there, it is a different day and some things are different, but I hear stories of days gone by of how there would be those in the church that when they were ready to build a church that they would be willing to put their own name on the dotted line to build church houses and to do what had to be done. Don't get nervous. It's not like I'm about to try to ask y'all to sign anything. All I'm saying is I have seen it and I have seen it and I have seen it where people are willing to give sacrifice. And here we find that these women give us this example. Secondly, we find that true love often faces difficulties. You see, we find that these women faced the stone rolled across the mouth of the tomb or at least they thought they were going to. Oh, God, I could really preach here for a second. You know, many of us, we, we might look out the window sometimes and go, oh, it's raining a little bit. I don't know if I can get out there and get wet and get to church today. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, a, it's a little cool out there today. It's a, it's, it's a little bit, or it's, or it's just too, too nice out there. we got to go to the lake or the park or something today. Man, this ain't regular Easter preaching. I'm sorry if some of y'all are disappointed here. But, but listen, the women, they face what they thought was going to be an insurmountable task. We read here, they ask each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Can I just stand here today and tell you, just like Pastor Joel, kind of in, in, the, in the form of finances, but in all forms, I'm telling you that if you will step out in faith and step out in love for Christ, some of the stuff that you are afraid that you're going to have to face, God will take care of it before you ever even have to face it. They were scared to death. They were saying, we're just not able to roll. How are we going to get this stone rolled away? But God 
was just showing them when they showed up, if you'll just act in faith, if you'll just press forward, if you'll just move on, I'm telling you the things that you think you can't handle and probably can't handle, if you'll put your faith and trust in me, I will take care of it for you. church faces difficulties we face divisions people get mad at each other over stuff people disagree over stuff listen people get mad over some of the silliest things sometimes I got enough pastor friends, and I had one. I'm not even going to say any of it, but I had one that told me yesterday some stuff going on and just some silly garbage that was going on. Can I just tell you, if you're looking for a perfect church, you've come to the wrong place. Because this is not a perfect pastor, and there are no perfect people. The only perfect is our Savior, Jesus Christ. But anytime you get people together, there's always going to be imperfections, and there's always going to be messes. And if y'all don't believe it, wait till y'all get together with your families this afternoon and start eating your ham and see if there ain't. (laughs) We face division, pride, worldliness, people just fighting everywhere. We try to find the right way, the right things to do. But when there's true love, there will be obstacles to its expression. Let me just tell you something. I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you again. If you truly make up in your mind you're going to serve Jesus, you better believe that the devil will throw obstacles in your way. If you make up in your mind that you're going to serve God and you're going to live for Him and you're going to do right, you better believe that the devil is going to do everything he possibly can to get in your way and keep you from doing it. So I ask, what stones are you willing to roll away to worship our risen Savior? What are you willing to do to worship Him? I'm keeping on moving. Number three, I've only got four. We find these women give us this example that true love presses on. The women could have failed to go on because they knew they would face the soldiers. They knew that they would face a stone and there was a seal placed on that tomb. You know, they could have gotten halfway there and said, as they begin to talk about that stone and said, you know what, this is just too big. They may have even gotten up. I'm going to preach for a little bit here. They may have even gotten up, gotten their self-dressed, got their offering together and on their way. But suddenly a difficulty arises and it could have turned them back around. Uh, You don't have to, please don't point at, at your husband or your wife or your children. But how many times have you gotten up on a Sunday morning to get to church and you even make it out the door and then you forgot something or, or, or you got to go back and get something or one gets mad at the other one? Oh, I'm meddling now. I know that I am. How tempting is it sometimes? How tempting is it? Can I just preach to the parent? Can I just say this one more time? I know y'all have heard me say this before, but thank you every mama and daddy that brings your babies and young children into the house of the Lord. I thank God that even my youngest can go to the bathroom and shower themselves now, but I'm not so far removed that I don't remember how that was. And How many times has it been tempting? 
You may not have to roll away a stone, but your young baby throws up all over that brand new pretty outfit. Well, I'm going to preach a little bit here. And how tempting is it? Or you look down. You look down. I've done it before. You look down and you find out that you have put on two different shoes. Come on, anybody, I'll admit I've done it before. You look down and you say, I've done put on two different, I'm the preacher, everybody's going to see my shoes. But the women refused to be deterred by what they were sure would be difficult. But when there is true love, it will push through the obstacles. You know, I, I, I kind of start with some of these kind of lighthearted things, but Let's just be honest and real. You know, there's sometimes where we face things that are much heavier, much weightier than that. Sometimes where we wake up and we wake up on a day, unfortunately, unfortunately it happens. I've gotten some of those Saturday night calls where a spouse finds out that their spouse has been cheating on them. Or maybe you've gotten word that someone in your family, your mama, your daddy, maybe your husband or your wife, maybe you has got a diagnosis, and the diagnosis isn't good and perhaps even fatal. And let's just be real, sometimes there are things, there are obstacles and difficulties that will get in our way. And it happens sometimes. And the, one of the ways, and I always remember this, one of the most tragic things is because uh, most of y'all that are churchy enough, you know 666, John chapter 6 and verse 66 from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Unfortunately, there are times when those, I'm going I'm to knock this over if I don't quit. There are times when it gets so much and we don't push through and we don't push forward and we don't keep going. And unfortunately, sometimes people turn back. And you know what? I'm aware that this is a Sunday. This is a Sunday. My Somebody might be here this morning or listening or watching by some media form. And you have turned back. But I've got good news on this Easter morning. It's not too late to turn back to God. Even if you've turned away from Him, even if you've gone back on Him, He is still here where the trumpet hasn't sounded. Time has not yet run out. There is still grace and forgiveness available. Fourthly and finally, true love finds its rewards. Those who press forward in spite of difficulty always find more than they had anticipated. This past Friday, I was blessed to be able to go to Mount Pelier Missionary Baptist Church and take part in the Good Friday service of the seven sayings of Jesus. My part of that was to be able to preach on, on the part where he looks at the thief and says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. And you know, the, 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 the uh, thief had already asked, said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what the thief was really anticipating was obviously because of what we read and what he obviously knew. There was some concept he already had. 
of life after death and the resurrection. And I know that uh, even though it wasn't the resurrection of Jesus, there was still a concept in Judaism of there would be a resurrection. There was prophecies and teaching. They, they believed in this. And he had some concept. And he was saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, we know right here and right now, we're still waiting on that earthly kingdom. Now, he's coming. He's getting close. I believe it. But right now, he's still not set up that earthly kingdom. And that thief was just hoping, hey, maybe in a couple thousand years when you set up your kingdom. But Jesus looked at him and said, today, today. You will be with me in paradise. Can I just let somebody know that when you decide that you will press forward and you will keep going and you will keep pursuing and you will keep trusting and you will keep going after God, that God will always give you more than what you are anticipating. Those women got up that morning and they got their spices and they headed on on their way to the tomb and what were they expecting that day they were expecting to have to move a heavy rock and find the dead body of their savior but instead they found that the stone was already rolled away and they found that Jesus was no longer dead but he was risen I'm telling you that if you will continue to pursue him he will always give you more than what you're anticipating. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Matthew 7 and 7 and 8 says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. You see, you may have been disappointed by what you've received from jobs or other tasks here on earth. And as I've kind of mentioned beforehand, but I realize what comes with this Sunday. What comes with this Sunday sometimes is some folks that show up and they've been hurt by the church before. And maybe you've come and and, and maybe you've been disappointed by church people before. Maybe you've been disappointed by a pastor before. I I can't guarantee you. I wish I could stand up here and and guarantee you that I'll never disappoint you. I'm going to try my very best not to, but I'm human. I wish I could stand up here and say, you know, you just come in, you you give everything you've got, and I believe you'll never be disappointed by anybody else in this church. I wish I could tell you that, but I can't. One thing I can tell you is, if you'll put your trust in Jesus, if you'll put your faith in God and keep on pursuing Him, you may find yourself in some difficult times and some difficult places, but I'm telling you, you will never be disappointed in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, which none of the princes of this world knew, for they had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, 
nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. If you'll love Jesus, follow after Jesus, I'm telling you, you'll never be disappointed in what's awaiting you. Stand with me, if you will, please. Jesus already expressed his love for us over 2,000 years ago on Calvary. I went through that story, and of course, that's not the complete story. There's many more details than that. I didn't have time to do all of that. I encourage you to go back and read all of it sometime. Jesus expressed his love for us 2,000 years ago on Calvary, but today, this Easter Sunday, 2022, Starkville Church of God, Starkville, Mississippi, today is a call for us to express our love to Him. He's extended His love to us. He has shown His love to us that He loves every single one of us. No matter what we come from, no matter what we look like, how much we have or don't have, He's expressed His love to us. And so today is a call to express our love to Him. Maybe to do so for the very first time. Maybe there's somebody here and you have never, ever expressed your love to God. You've never asked Him to be your Savior. I'm telling you, there's no better time than right here and right now to do so. Or maybe you're here and it's time to express your love by coming back from a backslidden state. Maybe you used to serve Him and love Him and follow Him, but you've found yourself, as I read from John 6 and 66, as many of those disciples turned away. Maybe you've turned away, but I've got good news on this Easter Sunday. It's not too late to turn back to Him. Or maybe you're here, and on this Easter Sunday, you just simply want to make a fresh renewal to love Him more than ever. Maybe you're one like me. You've been doing this a long time, and you can remember times where you used to love that you just couldn't wait to get to church. You were doing everything you could to get here. You just want to be a part of everything, but... You've kind of found yourself just kind of backing off and growing colder. Today is the day. Easter Sunday is the day that you can make a fresh renewal to love Him more than you ever have before. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Maybe you're here. You say, Pastor, I'm not following Him. Maybe you've never followed Him, or maybe you've turned back from Him, whichever way you may be. If you're here today with nobody looking around, you say, Pastor, I'm not following Him, but I'm ready to follow Him again. Would you just slip your hand in the air so I can pray with you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to grab you and pull you out. But if you're here and you say, I want to follow Him, thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else today? I want to pray for you. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, hands have been lifted in this house today saying that they want to follow you. Lord God, I don't know if they've never followed you or, Lord, they're needing to make a recommitment. Doesn't matter, you know. And today is the day of salvation. And so, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, you've already obviously been working. For them to even lift their hand, you've been working and drawing. But, Lord, I'm praying that you would just begin. I would need the saints of God to help me pray right now. I'm praying, Lord, that they would commit themselves afresh and anew to you.
Here's what I want to ask you to do today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put a microphone in your mouth. And I promise if you lift your hand, I'm not coming to pull you up. But I am inviting you at this time. If you're here and you lifted your hand, or maybe you didn't lift your hand, and you feel God dealing with you, and you say, I want to commit my life completely and totally to Him today. Would you come to this altar right now? Would you come and meet me at this altar right now? Anybody here? You say, I want today to be the day that I commit my life completely and totally to Him. Come on, saints. I need you to pray. I need you to pray right now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to commit my life completely and totally to Him. I need some godly men and women that will come help me pray right now. Anybody else in this house, you say, I, I want to give my life completely. To, I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you I won't stick a microphone in your mouth. No, I just want to meet you here. I want to pray with you. I want to believe God to turn your life around. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody else in this house? These altars are open as they begin to sing. We're going to wait as they begin to sing right now. I want to give you time.